Everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon, and with me yet again this week, I just have one other person. But Sammy, it is for a, it is for a fair enough reason this time that Woody can't join us. It is a fair enough reason. I'm actually not keen to give him too much slack for this reason. I mean, the man's been in hospital for two nights, so <laughs> he's, he's been struck it, down with coronavirus. Yeah, we're not we're not going <laughs> to kick him while he's down. He doesn't have coronavirus. <laughs> But he's got something going on that we're actually not too sure what it is. So I think that's the scariest thing. Like that's why we're not talking smack about it as well, because yeah. it's like it could literally be anything. But yeah, I'm sure we'll be listening from the uh, hospital bed, or hopefully back at home by the time right, this episode comes back out. Back at home by the time the episode comes. Yeah, out. for sure. If not, then that... we might not upload. It. Yeah, <laughs> we might not upload it. next week. <laughs> but yeah, um, hopefully, good, well, good luck to Woody when if you're listening. Hopefully, you're at home. Hopefully, you're feeling much better. And Sammy, there's something else we got to get. Well, I've got to get off my chest, and I've got to ask you, because I actually haven't even asked you at, off off air, and that is, how was your date last week? Oh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, I'm so disappointed Woody's not here to, to witness this as well. Um, yeah, no, it was good. It was a good, it was a good time. Enjoyed it. I actually is don't that, have, Is that I, all you're going to give us? I don't have a lot to, to really report, to be honest. It was just, you know... Well, where did you go? Went to Arbury. Aubrey, so a nice drink or ten? Yeah, just a couple. Just it a was couple. A, it was a nice, it was a nice, lovely Tuesday night, and it was really, uh, it was quite a pleasant evening. I'm, I'm glad. Are you going to see her again? <laughs> Look, I don't actually think that's up to me. So. You're just going to leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Oh, did you tell her about that? You you were on a pod. Oh, it may have come up. It, no. might, it may have. I'm not... Yeah, I think it did. It did. Fair enough. Well, if you're listening, whoever <laughs> this girl is, <laughs> you, it, the ball's in your court, apparently. Anyway, do you want to move on, Sam? Because you're going red. I want to move on. All right, let's move on. And now, Sammy, I've got, I've got a little story that I want to open up with. And it has something to do with one of the good mates of the podcast, Richard Bayless, who we had on whilst you were, whilst you oh, were overseas. I yep. was overseas, yep. And he's a big lead supporter as many would know that listened to the episode. And at the time, they were about nine nine or 11 points clear of third in second place. Mm-hmm. And obviously in the championship, the yep. top two get promoted. So it was looking like they would finally rejoin the Premier League. And since then, they've bottled it yet again. And I think they're about level with Fulham in third. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so like they lost to Nottingham Forest on the weekend. But a few weeks ago, they lost again. It was about 1am. And I was like, oh, he's obviously going to be watching. I'll send him a text. Anyway, he never replied. And so, you know, it's not like we're exactly, you know, good mate status. So in hindsight, it was probably the wrong thing to do. So I was sitting there stressing. Anyway, this week again, I've I've needed to text him about something and he hasn't replied again. Oh, damn it. So I don't know if I've like completely bottled this relationship. I think you, I think you might have. I'm a bit, I'm a little bit concerned and... And honestly, if you are listening, Richard, which you're probably not, nah. but, but, but if you are, please reply to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm desperate for a reply here. But anyway, Sammy, just the four games this weekend, well, three actually, one was washed out in the Premier League. And because Woody's not here, I mean, you know what I'm about to ask you, isn't it? You are. And you know what that means? That 
we're actually going to cover 66.6% of the games. We are. We are. It's so Unreal content. Unreal content. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sammy, hit us with those quick fire results. Well, we have got Everton down in Crystal Palace, 3-1. Brighton drawing Watford, 1-1. Sheffield beating Bournemouth, 2-1. And Man City and West Ham postponed. That you've had the easiest one out of 32 episodes that we've done. But I also reckon I nailed it. <laughs> I, I didn't hear any 32 mistake. episodes? Yeah, this is episode 32. That's a it? lot of months. It is. It's, I think we've been going for six months now. Unbelievable. That's a lot of months. It is. All right. Sam, we cannot talk about the Premier League without talking about this absolute fairy tale that is happening at the moment, and that is Sheffield United. And I want to have a look at their game against Bournemouth. So let's have a look at Sheffield versus Bournemouth. Now a chance for Sheffield United, and Moussa sent us the ball. Lundstrom! And Sheffield United take the lead for the first time in the game as John Lundstrom powers in to power home at the top end. The substitute scores his fourth goal of the season. It's the Blades 2, Bournemouth 1. All right. Lundstrom, the man of the moment, got the job done in the 84th minute. Honestly, Sammy... This is this a story of the season? I don't think there's anything else that can top it. I mean, we know Liverpool haven't lost yet. I think yeah, I think if Liverpool yeah, lose, yeah. that that would make yeah. Sheffield the team of the season. Yeah, so, so I think the jury's still out. But in terms of surprise packet of the year, there is absolutely no question. Mm-hmm. It, Did, apart from Arsenal being around tenth, yeah. that's a bit of a. Oh, is that even a surprise? Who knows? But. No, I think Sheffield have been absolutely amazing. And again, Woody's not here to celebrate with us, but... Hopefully it's getting him through. (laughs) Hopefully it's getting him through. So, no, Damon, absolute, absolute, absolutely. Um, Does does Chris Wilder beat Jurgen Klopp for manager of the season? Or does it also come back to that thing where if Liverpool can go undefeated, you can't take it off Klopp? Um, Well, I think in terms of expectation... I think he, he's overdone Klopp because I feel as if Liverpool's expectation... Top two minimum. ...was a top two minimum. Yeah. And yes, they've done that. But Sheffield's expectation was probably not to get relegated. Yeah. And if you take if you take those... Without going into the tactics and the way the game's played and whatnot, if you take those two commodities, I think yes. I also, I also think that um, being Australian, we love an underdog a lot that more is, anyway. So, so I, we're also... I think I'm. I know. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely skewed towards the Sheffield story, and therefore would side with yeah, them. I think it also, if they can manage to like, all right, top six would be incredible. See them going to Europa, but if they made the top four, that'd be obviously a first time in history for a- Sheffield. Sheffield in the Champions League, and the best thing about it is that it's not even out of the question. Yeah, I know. They're two like, points behind Chelsea. They're genuinely two points behind Chelsea. And with the way this season's going, Chelsea can lose to anybody. Any of the top four, any of the top three out of the top four can lose to pretty much anybody, as we've seen with Manchester City recently, um, losing to Tottenham. Yeah, there's there's room for movement there, isn't yeah. there, for now and about 15 or 10 to 15 weeks to go. Which is so fantastic for the game. And I, without being uh, an anti-Liverpool person, Liverpool are the best team in the worst Premier League for a while, I would say. Is that what you reckon? I think, I think you've got a, I think you've got a case. Especially, I think Liverpool would win the league in any year. I don't think even the great uh, Man United and Chelsea teams, teams and Arsenal teams would have would have got them. I don't think so. But 
I do also believe that this the runs from Leicester and Sheffield they're not coincidence. They're they're, they're quality outfits as well. They yeah, are. This, this isn't a fluke. Anyway, I just, let's just steer back into the actual game between Sheffield and Bournemouth. Now, I probably haven't watched Sheffield as much as I would have liked this season and probably should have this season. But I was genuinely impressed. What not just Sheffield brought to the table, but what Bournemouth did. They looked like a side who clearly want to stay up. And obviously every Premier League team that's in danger of going down wants to stay up. But it wasn't just desperation that I saw from Bournemouth. It was genuine glimpses of quality. And that was definitely the case for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Of course, Callum Wilson putting one in the back of the net after the follow-up from Fraser's shot. And... You know, honestly, I thought if Bournemouth played any other team, probably, you know, eighth and lower, they would have won on the weekend. I felt sorry for Bournemouth because in the end, they just got overpowered by the home fans and the home team. And Sheffield at the moment just find a way to get results, which is so surprising from a team like Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, I don't think going into the year, you wouldn't have, you would have expected Bournemouth Sheffield to be a pretty level match, wouldn't you? Like yeah. you wouldn't expect it fifth v uh, what a Bournemouth on table. But I mean, I think Bournemouth come out of that game with their heads held high. I mean, they scored their away goal. It's an impressive thing. They're up against the fifth team in what is the Premier League, which is no no mean feat. But honestly, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact we are talking about a Sheffield Bournemouth game. And Damon, I honestly, if at the start of the season that you come February, what are we? February, middle of February, almost. Yeah. Who the hell would have thought you'd want to be up at 1am <laughs> in the morning watching Sheffield versus Bournemouth and be so interested in the game when it's not even about relegation? Yeah, I know. Like, you'd have to say, like, if someone told you that, you'd be like, oh, big relegation battle sort of thing, like 17th versus 18th. But no, it was 5th versus, like, 16th or something. It was, yeah. And, and so... But, in, but it had massive ramifications for both ends of the table, I should say. And it's just... It's one of the most intriguing stories of the year. And also one of the most intriguing stories of the year is Ollie McBurney. Now, Ollie McBurney, we know how a couple of weeks ago, Sammy, he was in the Swansea away end and got fined for, you know, having a little bit too much fun. Yep, yep. <laughs> but I know he's a Swansea, you know, fan born and bred and Swansea player. But since coming across to Sheffield, you have to say he's had his moments. But I think in this last month or two, he's really come along and starting to put in these Sheffield performances. And I say that because I was actually watching the interview between Robbie Savage and Chris Wilder during the week. And and they said that when they were, Wilder and an assistant coach of his, when they were watching Sheffield before they took charge uh, together, they were watching a Sheffield game. And they, they both looked at each other and said, this isn't the Sheffield team we know. Sheffield play with two strikers and it's attacking. And I think Ollie McBurney in the last month or two has epitomized that. He's really, you know, 30 duels he, he, he reached. Yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal effort for, you know, a striker who is not the quickest, not the most clinical, but I thought... He's an honest yeah, striker. All the Sheffield fans yeah. asked for is yeah. the performance that he gave on the weekend. Didn't yeah. he get, get a goal or assist, but he, did, he, he probably had the biggest influence yeah. on the pitch at times. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, Damon, but I wanted to bring something up with you. So I was, you know, I wasn't here last week for obvious reasons, and I, but I did, obviously, I'm a loyal podcast listener as I'm well. I'm glad we need to, to hear. Get, we, need to get the, <laughs> we need to keep the numbers circulating quite well. I mean, not all of us have day jobs and things like that. This is a good revenue stream for us, so we've got to boost the numbers. Boost it up, yeah. But what, what, I, what, what was interesting was the transfer talk, I thought, last week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you spoke about Sander Berg the length that he is. Yeah. And you and Woody were talking him up quite a bit, I'm not going to lie. But 
so I decided when watching this game that I was going to keep an eye on him. And I thought, to be fair, fitted in okay. Didn't wasn't amazing, but it was the only the twenty three touches that he had, one which led to a Bournemouth goal. Did you talk him up too much? I don't think he's. You know you what I mean? Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Look, I I think he played. Uh, it was a genuine uh, three three four three five two sort of that. Uh, Sheffield did go with, but I thought of the three mid central midfielders, he was probably the most advanced. And historically, he's been more of a defensive midfielder. Dude, he's a weird looking. Yeah, he's honestly, like a, he looked. Like, when I first saw him, I did not even recognize yeah. that it was that it was him. I was like, who is that? Guy? I actually thought it was he was bigger than Ollie McBurney, which I was like, Jesus, who is that yeah. guy in central midfield? Do you reckon he's kind of like this? Is just going back to my FIFA reference, but he kind of, in terms of stature and position, he plays kind of like a. Like a very a poor man Socrates, just, yeah, yeah, just, just like we, just, lank, just yeah. like an absolute lank. It doesn't look like the, it the midfield be, you know, a midfield player. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, you expect to see him in centre back or holding holding midfielder, if anything. So yeah, I, I just thought that um, yeah, you you were pretty pretty spot on with your assessment. I thought for a home debut, you couldn't like it's not like he played badly, but I. I think you'd hope that he'll grow into that. I'm, I'm not roasting the bloke. He's played two games for Sheffield, new country, new language. But I'd get, I'd, I just thought, you know, I, I tend to agree with you there, Sammy, that it probably wasn't his greatest day, but he did, he did enough for mine for the Sheffield fans to be satisfied. Which, yeah, no, I agree. I just thought I'd bring it up because of the fact that you guys did talk about it. Yeah, up. we, we pumped, like you, get, pumped up his tyres a little bit And I like much. to get the one up on both of you when I can. It doesn't happen <laughs> that often. But I thought I'd mention that anyway. But on the flip, on the other side of the coin, Dan, we've got to talk about Bournemouth a bit here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think that they, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think they can hold their heads up high. Yep. And I think the players like Callan Wilson, Harry Wilson, Ryan Fraser, they all started well. Yeah. And I feel as if, if they combine that and they do that for the entire game, they're not going to have a problem with relegation. They're yep. going to play well and they're going to get the, the results they need. But I just feel as if they fade towards the end of the game. And like Callum Wilson only had the 18 touches, all of which were in the first 10 to 15 minutes. What's your sort of take on that? Like, What do they have to do to get through entire games? Because they were up. Yeah, they it, were up. And then... It's certainly been an issue for them all season. I think we, this Bournemouth team, obviously, it's an incredible story that they made it all the way to the Premier League from the lower divisions. They've stuck around for probably longer than people thought. Eddie Howe's got the best out of this team for a while. But, yeah, I do tend to agree they fade really badly. I mentioned that Fraser uh, had a shot early on that was uh, pretty much put in on the rebound by Wilson. But he actually had one shot for the game. And it's just like, you know, you, you're one of the better players in the team. I know I read a little thing about Fraser. Pretty much apologized to his whole the whole club mm. during, over the New Year period because he said that the transfer speculation to Arsenal got to his head. And he started going away from team values. And look, credit to him for you know putting his hand up about that. But that doesn't give you an excuse to you know still put out bad performances. And I'm not saying Fraser was poor, but he faded really badly. Do you think, and it was a reflection of the whole team performance. Do you think? Do you honest. think it's a conditioning or a mental thing? I think it's mental. I, I I think as the season draws to a close, I would expect those fade outs to be delayed and delayed and delayed. And that's why I think Bournemouth. That's that's what that's what's required for Bournemouth to stay. Pretty much exactly what you said. Sam. Yeah, I just feel as if Bournemouth have still have absolute motivation to play and play well. They're not mid-table. They're yeah, not, they're not guaranteed relegation. They've got everything to play. They've for. got everything to play for. The pride, staying in the Premier League. Like, I feel like if they're fading through games and a Sheffield when you're one 0 up, 
you want to put the foot down away from home. Or you don't want to, and, and, and I just don't think they did that. And I don't, I think they've struggled with that all year. And I think it's something they really need to address if they want to stay up. Because as you said, they have enough talent on that pitch. Especially offensively. Yeah, definitely. So I think they need to, um, I don't know what it is, but they need to sort it out and stop fading so quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, well, Bournemouth for now have lost seven of their last eight Premier League away games. So you did touch on them scoring an away goal. I guess it's a start, but yeah. it has been an issue from them. Maybe that was a part of the reason for the fade. The the home atmosphere sort of sucks the life out of them a little bit. But in saying that, Sheffield are absolutely flying now. Every other team has to play away. Yeah, the, like. <laughs> I know what you mean, Sammy. It's, it's, Sheffield are flying. They've, they've won six of the last seven Premier League games, um, especially against teams in the bottom half. And so the, their performances against bottom half teams are, are, are actually not your stereotypical performance from a club, uh, the way they play. We've spoken about how some of the bigger clubs actually prefer to play against other bigger clubs because they don't have as much of the ball. Sheffield play that way as well, but they still find a way to get through some of these small teams like Bournemouth. So it's really intriguing here. Sometimes excuses, what seems to be reasonable excuses for some teams, don't seem to be for this Sheffield team. They keep delivering. But steering away from the this particular game, I just want to bring in a segment, a temporary segment, It'll probably just be for this week, and maybe bring it in one or two more times later in the year. But it's something that has to be spoken about now. There's no better week to do it, and that is, let's have a bit of a discussion about the relegation battle. All right, Sammy, I know we'll, we'll go from the bottom of the table up. All right, we'll start at the bottom. Norwich. <laughs> now, there's one word to describe Norwich. Cooked. <laughs> Four wins for the year. Not enough. We all got so excited at the start of this year when the Pookie train took off from the station and stopped right away. <laughs> it was a great start. We had him in our team of the season, Damon. And then he literally lasted like... Five weeks, maybe. I'm not... A- five weeks? Well, I, I know we thought it was cooked. Remember that game against Man City when they beat Man City at home? That yeah, was the one where, like, that was where it peaked, and then after that, just nothing happened. Nothing happened. It was, yeah. It was... I don't honestly don't think there's much to say about Norwich, apart from the fact that they're going to be better for the experience, and the fans are going to have enjoyed a year in the Premier League. Yeah, I think also worth noting that their spending in January was next to nothing, and history suggests when teams do that, they've almost thrown in the towel, because... Again, history suggests that if teams do invest heavily again and try to stay up, it kills them long term. It does kill if them they stay term. if they go down. If they go down, yeah, because you look at uh, com- uh, companies, teams like South is it uh, Sunderland? Yeah. Who I, f- I feel like when they were in the Premier League, they were always trying to stay up. They signed players like Jack Rodwell, didn't yep. work. Um, now they're stuck in League Two, mm-hmm. I think it is. Leeds another prime example. Leeds another prime example. It just it. I think the most important thing about these English clubs that are sort of, you know, they're not they're not Premier they're not always Premier League, but they get there every now and then. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing for them is to when they get up into the Premier League is to not lose their identity, yeah, and their connection with the fans. And I think that when uh, uh, what as I've said with Sunderland, I think when they were up there, they all they cared about was staying up. They signed the wrong players. The club lost a bit of their identity. Fans weren't happy. Manager got sacked. Um, Leeds is another one. They just, they've just like when you're trying so hard to, to 
be mediocre in the top league and yeah. just stay there. I think it's, it's also... going to do a lot more damage than good. The fact that their um, manager hasn't... There hasn't there's no pressure on him yeah. either. And that's, again, symbolic that they haven't lost touch. Yeah. It's almost like... It's it's not an it's not a bad acceptance of their situation. It's a mature realistic, acceptance. It's a realistic acceptance of their uh, of their uh, situation, and I think all those players are going to be better for it. They're going to go back down to the uh, mm. championship, and they're going to have a great year. Yeah, I think, I think that's what the fans want, or not everyone's fans wants to be in uh, competitive in the Premier League. But the reality is, they've stayed true to who they are. And I think it's they'll be better for it next and they'll season. They'll be better for it next season. Also worth noting, they just need one point to avoid being in the top five worst Premier League teams of all time. So you think they'll probably get there? So it's no, not not too embarrassing it's for not Norwich. Not too embarrassing for Norwich. No. All right. Next up, Watford. I think Watford, their nineteenth place is probably one of the most bizarre positions on the table uh, I've seen in a I long couldn't, time. I honestly couldn't agree more because how long did it take them to win a game? Too bloody long. Too too long. And then they've come out and started firing in recent times, although still sit 19th. Yeah, it's like two weeks ago, you'd almost you'd almost say Watford, the way they were playing, weren't just going to avoid relegation. They weren't even going to be in the conversation come no, a few they, weeks' time. No, they would have been, they would have been, I would have felt they would have been top yeah. 12, top 10. But the problem is, uh, a disappointing loss after being 2-0 up to Everton, 1-0 uh, up against Aston Villa they lost that as well and they drew again to Brighton I just think little moments like that absolutely kill you because of their start to the season if they go down they will be kicking themselves one of the more bizarre things just to add on to to what you've said about Watford already is the talent they have in their list yeah you look at guys like Dini, Decore, Delefeu, Capoue I mean you can't sit here and tell me that they're not getting in the starting 11 at most clubs. Most yeah. clubs. Yeah, I, I, it's it Even is really strange. United, like, like Dini, Decore, and probably Capoue could easily play in United's midfield right now. Yeah, well, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I I just think that the way they were playing, they've simplified it recently. I think Decore is playing a more advanced role, and that's Nigel credit to Nigel Pearson for doing that. And he might well keep them up and. Look, personally, which I know we're going to get into a bit of, um, like, you know, guesses soon, Sammy. But for now, I think Watford are in serious trouble in terms of just... They've they've kicked themselves in the foot thanks to their start to the I season. I think, yeah. I think the problem now doesn't lie with the fact that they've revitalised their form. It's that they're, they're coming... It's, it's like there's 100 metres left to go and you're 50 metres back. Yeah. And you need to get there, and it's going to be... You might well be the quickest bloke on. the And you might be the quickest bloke in the race, but sometimes it's just too far back to crawl from, and that's the thing they're going to have to face. And they can't make any more silly mistakes. They can't drop easy games anymore, and that's a lot of pressure, and I don't know if they can do it. Next up is the team... Well, we've spoken about a strong list. We're talking about another incredibly strong list here on paper, and that is West Ham. And they have the toughest job in world football. They the also have what I think is one of the most talented players in, in... Well, maybe not in the Premier League, but definitely one of the most talented players probably outside of the top yep. f- top clubs in Felipe Anderson, who's just not found it this year. Oh, he's he's dr- fallen off a cliff after he's, what he brought last season. He's just not found it this year, unfortunately for him, and which is a real shame when you see West Ham sitting in 18th and the potential that they pr- like had coming out of last year. And it's just not going to get easier for them, is it? I mean, look at their upcoming. <laughs> All right, well, who's going to go through it, Sammy? Are you going to go through it or do you want me? I think you can go through it. All right. It. Liverpool away. 
Southampton at home, Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Spurs away, Chelsea at home, and that's not including the Manchester City game that just got postponed. So that's not going to be in there somewhere as well. Oh, so I oh, mean, honestly, I can't see them staying up. I, I can't d- see them staying up. They and- this will be. Speaking of teams going. Uh, backwards due to financial investment and then it not coming off, this is a prime example. They could be in big trouble. They're kidding themselves if they think Felipe Anderson is going to stay in play in the championship. So many teams. Snodgrass (laughs) has left Hull City before once he's been relegated, so he'll probably leave again. Look, guys like Creswell, Fabianski, their keeper. Their keeper, who's actually a really good keeper. He is, he is. (laughs) And so, like, these players, they're they're probably already thinking... If if this doesn't if this doesn't happen for us, we're, speaking to their agents, where's my next where's my next job coming from? Where's my next job coming from? Absolutely. And now uh, we move on to Aston Villa. Aston Villa, a big club, the biggest of the lot, you'd have to say in terms of fan base. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to agree with that. So they all almost have the most to lose, then, wouldn't you say? If they've got the biggest fan base. Yeah, I think in terms of they're they're probably the best for the league. Uh, West Ham are probably up there as well. But you know, I've I've seen so much. I haven't had the uh, you know the pleasure of going to Villa Park, but you do hear that if yeah. there's a stadium you're going to go to, pick Villa Park because it's just an incredible experience. Yeah. So it would be a massive loss for the league, and I don't think anyone wants to see Jack Grealish go, especially Woody. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think West uh, sorry Aston Villa getting relegated out of the Premier League is something that Premier League fans don't really want to see. They bring a lot to the table in terms of their culture and their history, and I think, in my opinion, they're a Premier League team and they should be there. Yeah, uh, I think. If if Aston Villa go down, Grealish will leave. But I also think if Villa stay up, Grealish might leave as well. So they've probably got a few things after their big investment in the offseason to have a rethink about if they do stay up, how they're going to approach next season. Yep. Now, Bournemouth, we spoke about them earlier. Damon, I'll let you just explain where they sit. I think for mine, yeah, we summed it up perfectly as well. If those you know great attacking players, King, Wilson, Wilson, Fraser can keep the standard up for more than 10 and 15 minutes in games, they'll probably be okay and probably stay up. But it just doesn't seem to be happening for them. And they're a serious concern. Eddie Howe, he's been in there a long, long time. And I think if they go down, maybe they just need to hear a new voice in the dressing room. You know what I mean? That might be another case that we probably should have touched on in the match analysis. Finally, Brighton. Now, Brighton, the ultimate stayers. Yeah. They find a way to stay up. But this year... They bring exciting football to the table, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that's going to play a lot into their hand in their in their battle to stay up again. And I think it's really positive that they have been able to make their sort of game a yeah. bit more exciting. And I hundred percent got you. Obviously, got the Aussie connection as well with yeah. Matty Ryan, yeah. and Aaron Moy. And I just think the strange thing is, despite the enter- more entertaining football they play now, they're actually on the exact same points mm. as they were this time last season. I back Brighton to stay though, just like last year. Yeah, I, I think I, they're just they. I feel like, I feel like they're in as, as you just said, they're in the same place. But I think they're in the same place in a better place in a head, headspace. In a headspace wise, so I, I think I don't think my. I, I would be surprised if Brighton went down from here. All right, on that, just to finish up this relegation battle talk, who are the three that are going down for you right now? Pick them, go. Uh, Norwich. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna almost say Bournemouth. Okay. And I also don't think Watford can crawl their way out. Uh, my three are Norwich, uh, Bournemouth as well, but I'm going West Ham. I just think that is going to be one of the saddest stories of the season. I don't um, want West Ham to go down. Oh, neither That's why neither I do I, but their, their run home, well, their next month and a half, two months, just looks too grim. 
for me to ignore. And I think Watford have shown enough in the past past month to maybe get enough points to stay up. All right, Sammy, ready to move on to winners and losers? Let's do it. Oi, did someone say winners and losers? Sure did, mate. All right, Sam, I'm going to kick off with this one. And my winner is a bloke that didn't even play on the weekend, and that's Nick Pope. <laughs> Not every day that you're off on your holiday, or a winter break, I should say, and most likely, let's be honest, get a call from Sarah, uh, Gareth, Sarah, Gareth Southgate saying, mate, pack your bags for Euro 2020 because Jordan Pickford on the weekend made another howler up against Chris, Christian Benteke. Yep. He, other than Kepa, Pickford has the worst save percentage in the league. It's becoming a serious issue for Everton, despite their good run of form at the moment. And I think that Nick Pope, along with Dean Henderson, are the two best English goalkeepers in the world right now, and they should be on the plane before Pickford. So, yeah, Nick Pope, his form for Burnley been outstanding. I reckon he's got a ticket to the Euros. Fall from grace for Pickford after the World Cup, isn't it, Ben? Yep, massive. All right, Sammy, who is your winner? So, my winner is Everton, Damon. And the reason for that, since signing Carlo Ancelotti, Everton have scored 17 points in the league with five wins, two draws, and one loss. And I think that... That says a lot, given the fact that they we we were we were berating them. Yeah, we, you were berating them earlier I, I was in the year, and incredibly hard on them. Just another interesting stat about that is that Liverpool is the only team to have scored more than them with twenty four since that period. So they're flying; they're not in any trouble at the moment. Good on Everton for pulling themselves out, and well done on the management team for getting the Carlo Ancelotti. In. Bit, bit of a similar situation to Watford, but a different context that their start of the season is going to cost them. You know, potentially a great yeah. season. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Sammy, my loser is Manchester City. And I know, again, they didn't play on the weekend. But on face you know, face value, it just sort of looks like, oh, yeah, City have got a game delayed against West Ham. They'll make up for it. But from Feb 23 through to March 21, so 28 days, they play eight games. And that's not including the rescheduling of the West Ham game and also their hosting of Arsenal. I think, not so much in the league, the league's probably, they're not too fussed about the league, and they might rotate some players during this period, but against with the FA Cup and the Champions League, that's when that really starts to kick in late Feb and early March. That's going to be a real test for Pep to, to tweak his teams each game, really, to stay competitive in the competitions where they're realistically a chance for a trophy. So yeah, they've got a big month coming up, and that postponed game doesn't make it any easier for them. Sammy, who's your loser? So I touched on it before, and I actually tipped them to go down in the league this uh, year, and that's Watford. Simple as that. They blew another chance. Uh, they're still they're too far back, in my opinion, now, and I mm-hmm. think that's cost them, even though they're playing good football. Uh, they can't afford to make silly mistakes anymore, and that was a game they should have won, and they didn't do it. Yep, fair enough. Alrighty, Sammy, let's move on to our final segment, one that... We probably don't have as much as we used to, but it's one that's come back again this week, and that is on or off side. All right, Sam, I'm going to kick, kick it off with one to you that I reckon is really, really intriguing, especially one that's developed a lot in the past week. So here it is, on or off side, Christian Eriksen is giving Tottenham a right old whack as he transitions into the Serie A and more specifically into this Inter Milan team. 
onside. <laughs> Absolutely onside. I mean, Ericsson said it's good to be at a club that has a chance of winning trophies. Whack. Now, that's a huge call considering Tottenham were in the Champions League final last year. <laughs> <laughs> but he also said that the Milan Derby was the best ever atmosphere he has seen and English football can't compete. Now, I don't know about you, but I think whenever there's a new job or something that's different to what you've been doing before, mm-hmm. there's a honeymoon period. Yeah, I get what you're saying here. I get where you're going. Ericsson's in the honeymoon period, and he's salty at Tottenham. For some, <laughs> like, we all know he's, they didn't end leave on the best of terms. He's in the honeymoon period. He's feeling like he's just, I don't know, he just wants to pot them. Yeah, and I think it's pretty low. It shows a bit of immaturity on his behalf. So it's a fair whack at the North London derby, which is I probably mean, one of the biggest derbies in the English league. And a, and a club that what he spent so long at. He's, yeah, he, like it's just petty. I don't like it. I think footballers can be a bit like that. They're big babies on millions of dollars of pounds at times, and it, it's not nice. If you're a if you're a Tottenham supporter, you don't want to hear that. Yeah, you support, you're a Premier League support, supporter. Supported, supported him for so long, and yeah. yeah, obviously we're Premier League fans. Yeah. We're, we sit here and talk about it every week. So, obviously, we have a bit of bias towards the English league. And, you know, we don't like hearing that stuff. And, look, no, I'm not saying the Serie A is a bad league. And um, the Inter Milan, uh, Inter Milan versus AC Milan derby was an unreal game. But, you know, come on, Ericsson. Like, just so wash settle up, down. Mate, Serie A is a wash-up. Right? <laughs> All it attracts is 35-year-olds like Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic. <laughs> Can't even play football anymore. <laughs> All righty, Sammy, what have you got for me? So, Damon... James Madison should have been one of our winners in the winners and losers segment. This is a massive, massive onside. Actually, to be fair, I'm not sure my girlfriend would agree with this, but Jimmy Madison made the absolute most of his winter break. Him and Benny Chilwell, actually, uh, along with some other friends, you know, non-football friends, went off to Dubai, and Jimmy Madison was pictured chugging down thousands of of dollars or thousands of pounds worth of champagne and by worth i mean he literally had one bottle which was worth a thousand dollars and so he's clearly enjoying his time but the reason i mentioned uh the female aspect of this honor offside is because he hooked up with sophie kenyon the 21 year old model and you could tell he was pretty happy about it as well you know winning on and off the field is, is Jimmy Madison. So good on to him. I know he's a big poker player as well, and I'm a big poker fan. So he clearly, you know, me and Jimmy have a lot in common. That's all I'm saying. Jesus. <laughs> Alrighty, Sammy, I've got one for you. Unai Emery has a point when it comes to his comments about former club Arsenal. Offside, Damon. Unai claimed that before he came to Arsenal that the club was on a downhill slope and that it needed more time to create the Arsenal that he wanted. We all know that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, come on, mate. You had Arsenal in the worst position they've ever been in in 30 years. They'd still have only won six games. You spent $75 million on an attacker when everybody knew you needed midfielders and defenders. Yeah. <laughs> the look on your face now is as if to say, like, what the fuck? Seriously. It's, it, you know, it, it is completely bizarre, Sammy. I mean, Hundred percent agree, and he bought he bought Pepe and Captain Xhaka. It, it wasn't there's some strange moves. I I tend to agree, and Arteta's got a massive repair job now, oh, hasn't yeah. he? Poor bastard. <laughs> Alrighty, Sammy. Last one for me. The Sun newspaper, Damon. Boy, does that have some serious explaining to do? 
Yeah, now this is a really, really interesting story. And Sammy, I'm not sure if you've heard of this one, but you know we've well, been... given I asked you the question, Damon, I'm pretty sure I know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so, The Sun. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ed Woodward's house was attacked, the uh, CEO of Manchester United. Uh, his house was attacked. Luckily, him and his family weren't home, but flares and other items were thrown into his backyard. It was quite the scene. But what people, what what got people talking was the fact that the Sun were there reporting on it. They took live photos, and they were there before the police, which was a massive, massive issue for a lot of people. And I can understand why. Yeah. What the hell. Anyway, it's come out, well, Man United are now taking action about it, that the Sun were actually tipped off that something was going on, was going to happen at Edward's house this night, and that's why they had reporters there ready to go. Now, that is, yeah, that is not good. I'm not sure about the specific legal requirements of journalism and newspapers, but I'm pretty sure if something like that is said and comes out to these, you know, establishments, that these journalists need to notify the police, because... Yes, I know nothing happened, but who's to say it could have been, couldn't have been a lot worse? They claimed that they thought it was just going to be a rally or something like that. But nevertheless, it could have been a lot worse and ended a lot worse for, you know, I'm not talking drastic, drastic measures, but we're just lucky no one got hurt in this situation. Do you get what I'm saying, Sam? Yeah, of course. And so, yeah, the Sun have a bit, lot of explaining to do, and I'm, I don't think this is the end of this situation. So I'm keen to, you know, keep a listen and keep my eyes open for what's going to happen with this. And I think it's one of the more intriguing stories off-field of the year and anyway Sammy this pretty much wraps up wraps up the show um, Woody I hope you enjoyed it I know uh, 100% he's listening he's going to be the first listener isn't he he's going to be the first listener <laughs> he doesn't like not being here he hates it he, um, he's messaged us halfway through this episode again asking how it's going and we don't even have a special guest on he just wants to be a part of it he has FOMO big time when it comes to the nightclub it's his baby man it is alrighty Sammy if people want to check out the Instagram to see news flashes and so much more, where can they find it? At Premier League Nightclub. And if you want to see it on the Twitter, at PL Nightclub. And also search Premier League Nightclub on Facebook if, you want to get, if you're a Facebook man. Please, if you could, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. It does really help us grow as a pod. We can get more special guests, better content out. And so until next time, Sammy... Have a good week, and I hope everyone's Premier League team gets the win. See ya.